0: Bucks in the basement. Belly on up to the nine foot homemade oak bar. Pour yourself a cold one. My name's Chris. His name's Craig. He's pumped up because the Pirates got mentioned on a, on MLB Network. He gets really <laughs> fired up whenever they're they're nationally mentioned. He's like, "Oh my god, they're talking about our team." He's so excited about it.
1: Um, I was really excited. Uh, like we talked about before, we hopped on the show here, Chris. Like some of this stuff is is inaccurate, and so like obviously people will will run with the inaccuracies. But the overall message of what was discussed is pretty much spot on to what we've been talking about on the show for, God, it seems like forever now. But especially during the last few shows is that if the Pirates are going to, you know, take that step forward, make some noise, the big caveat is that they're going to have to spend in the offseason. We've talked about pitchforks and torches, you know, at PNC Park 115 Federal, if that doesn't happen during this offseason. Because, I mean, you're getting all these young guys up now. You're trying to see who fits, who doesn't. You know, Andy Rodriguez is your full-time catcher now, so people can't complain about that anymore. Of course, they'll complain about Jason DeLay being the backup instead of Henry Davis. But as, as was stated on MLB Network, Jason DeLay is actually a really good defensive catcher. Mitch Keller likes having him as a personal catcher. And if you're complaining about a guy who has less than 175 official plate appearances in a major league baseball season, that's not really one of your biggest problems. But basically, Chris, got to add two arms, got to add a first baseman, and try to make that push forward. And hopefully some guys take some steps forward because what we've seen this year You know, Brian Reynolds struggling a little bit. Cabrian Hayes uh, struggling, injured. And then, you know, Jack Sawinski, who is possibly the most polarizing player that the Pirates may have ever had, just because he is one of those three true outcome guys. He either strikes out, he walks, or he homers. And if he's not hitting homers right now, he's not doing much of anything.
0: There's so much there. There's so much to unpack. We gotta we gotta get to all of it in 30 minutes here. So why, why don't we start with the MLB Network thing, okay? Because I, when I get to Zawinski, I've got some some hard truths for everybody, and and why I think you don't just give up on the guy, but you have to understand exactly what he is. But it, what was it? I think it was Dan O'Dowd. Uh, I want to believe he was. A, I want to say he was a general manager of the Mets for years. There are times when he goes on MLB Network and he says things that make me think that he's never watched the team that he's talking about in his life. And then there are times when he says something, I go, yeah, he he at least understands what's going on with that team. But I think sometimes the MLB Network guys and a lot of national people have a hard time really understanding what's going on with the franchise because they're trying to keep track of so many of them and who really pays attention to the bad franchises when they're bad, right? So not a lot of people are going to know the most about the Pittsburgh Pirates after the last couple of years. Most of them are going to be out-of-town stupid. That said, he was talking about things they need to address in the offseason. He said, look, they're going to be one of the most surprising teams in baseball in 2024 if they go and they spend money or they improve on the team. And that's something we've been saying now for a while. This is a team that has a core This is a team in which some of the young players are still going to be developing in 24 and 25 and 26. But the good news is now you've built the base. You can be competitive and your window can open and it could stay open for a while if you're willing to make a couple of moves. Maybe move a player or two that would be valuable to another team to get a position that you covet. We've talked about the fact that you are deep at certain positions going into your minors from your major league roster down to your minors. Not every prospect's going to pan out and you only have nine spots on the field. So if you have a, a position of need, it may be time to deal from a position of depth and then it's time to also spend some money. I don't expect them to be in the top 10 payroll next year, but I don't expect them. They shouldn't be in the bottom five. They shouldn't be in the bottom 10. They should be sitting somewhere in that middle range. And and now is the time that you 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 get the reward for the pain over the last couple of years. And first base is the first position I look at. They don't have an answer there. And rather than piecemeal it together, they should look at what's available in free agency. And that was one of the points that was being made on MLB network. And and there's some options. Like, look, Joey votto has got a club option. Joey Votto's old. And if you go out and you get Joey Votto, he may be a great leader for young guys. He's an awesome dude. I actually, like every time I see a clip of him, I'm like, man, this guy is this guy's funny. He's interesting. He's a good ball player. He's a gamer. But if he wants to play baseball, trust me, he's just going to stay where he's at. And if he goes someplace else, I don't think he's going to Pittsburgh. And you're getting him on the decline. Uh, so I'm not really excited about that name when I look at it. You could You could talk about the possibility of Josh Bell opting out and he comes back to Pittsburgh. But you have to also ask, is that what you want there? Is that good enough for you? I don't want anything to do with CJ Kron. That guy is good only in Denver. When, When the Rockies are playing home games, he's a baller. When he plays someplace else, I couldn't believe that the Angels picked him up. And you understand why the Angels are falling apart since the trade deadline because they are one of the dumbest franchises in baseball. <laughs> How are they the only people who didn't understand that the only time that guy hits is when he's in the thin mountain air? The guy I'm looking at is Hoskins from Philadelphia. All right? He's about 30 years old. He, he's, he's not a bad player at all. He would be an improvement over at first base. He would be stability over at first base. His OPS this year is nearing 800. He, he's had years where he's done better than that. He, he's he, he's not going to become something bigger than what he is, but what he is should be perfectly fine to sit over at first base for, let's say, the next three to four years. That's a guy you go out and target, and you pay money, and you bring him in, and you put him in your lineup, and he's been on a team that knows how to win and he's been around players that know how to be ball players in a professional MLB locker room and he can hold down that position and you don't have to worry about it anymore does anybody else stand out there what do you think about that
1: no chris i mean it's it's a fairly thin market and what like the first baseman a lot of times the free agents kind of come down to is you know, guys that, you know, kind of like a Carlos Santana or, you know, maybe like a, a G-Man Choi. Uh, they are guys that, you know, have performed fairly well, are, you know, not super expensive, but most of the times it's going to be like those, you know, one-year prove-it deals. I, I think we kind of have to get beyond that at these positions because we've talked about this before. You, We haven't been able to develop anybody at first base. I mean, I think that Ben Charrington in his mind wanted to see what a Malcolm Nunez could do in Indianapolis this past, you know, and during the season. But unfortunately, he's been injured for most of the year. But I see like all over, you know, social media now he had like one, you know, giant great week. But I mean, you can't go into that as, you know, your answer for next year. You're going to have to get, a a a veteran player and just because you would sign like say you sign reese hoskins for like three to four years and let's say malcolm nunez you know you know turns out to be something that's another guy that you could possibly move either move nunez or move hoskins probably move
0: and never forget never forget that there's such a thing as a dh now i think that there are still pirates fans that think they're in the national league you can be overloaded with hitters And move one of them into the DH spot. And then with that DH spot, you also, when there's days off and guys need regular rest, you create another batting position in your lineup. So it's not like you can only have eight hitters. You actually can have 10 because you got the DH and you're going to have days off. And if you put your roster together properly, you can be overloaded at a position and still find a place for a guy to get enough at bats to help your team if he starts to come along, you don't, you're don't. you not blocking anybody by going out and getting a first baseman. The only way you're really blocking him is you go out and get a guy who could be a roadblock because he's at the end of his career and he's going to frustrate you, you know? I mean, and, and there's not a lot of depth at first base. That's why when I look at Hoskins, I say, you have the money. If that guy's an unrestricted free agent, he's your number one target.
1: Yeah, and Chris, I mean, this kind of goes back to something we were talking about last week, which is kind of like – keeps on being brought up just because, I mean, Kutch is only a DH. Kutch can only DH. And I don't know, like, unless he's like coming back and he's, he's taken a pay cut and he realizes he's maybe only going to hit, you know, one to two times a week. But if you are thinking about getting a Hoskins, you're thinking about, you know, platooning uh, Joe and, and Sawinski you're running out of spots because at some point in time that would move Henry Davis into the DH at times. I mean, if you want to have a completely open spot, I don't see how you can have a guy who's at the tail end of his career. Who's not really a power hitter, who has fallen off towards the second half of the season and have him as like, you know, penned in as your DH, you know, going into 2024, if you're no looking to compete, it's still a roster spot. I mean, not that, you know, there's a ton of guys beating down the door to get on the 26 man active roster. But if you're talking about bringing in somebody and then also having, you know, other people flowing into that position, it just kind of like cuts to me, like it's starting to make less and less sense for 2024. I'm not completely overreacting to that, but I don't know. It just is to me. That's just the, that's kind of where I'm at today. If that's, if that's the session we made.
0: No, I understand that. And then the other thing that you have to look at is starting pitching and where it is shallow. This is a very shallow free agent class at a lot of positions. Starting pitching should be something you should be able to acquire and you have the money. You should be able to, with this low payroll, go out and actually spend and get a starting pitcher. You don't need to go bargain basement shopping. You can, you can kind of shop. Like, I think a guy to be really interesting to go out and kick the tires on and bring in because I've seen flashes in the last couple of weeks with him, mainly because of all my fantasy baseball play, right? Like, you know, this is how you learn about guys. And you see if a guy's, like, doing something all of a sudden that they, or they're going back to their norm. Jack Flaherty is somebody that I think is you know coming off of his injury, slowly figuring it back out again, who's going to go out there and may not be a huge price tag. You you might be able to also spend, though, for a guy like a Lucas Giolito, who's not going to be one of the top options out there, but is a guy that definitely is a top-end rotation piece. I, I've always liked Jordan Montgomery. I, I I think Kenta Maeda, if you look at him in the last couple of months, for the twins, has figured it out again. He's back, and he's going to be a free agent out there. I mean, sure, we can all dream of bringing in Shohei, right? We, <laughs> we can always say, that's a, well, it's Shohei or bust for the Pittsburgh Pirates, and wouldn't that be amazing? Bob Nutting pulls up with a truck full of money and says, all these years that I've been cheap is just so I can give Shohei Otani $600 million, and Pirates fans rejoice, and they build a statue for him. I don't think it's going to happen, but it's something that's there. I mean, there's always the Aaron Nolas of the world. Blake Snell is an interesting option. Uh, there, there's there's guys out there that you could say. I just I'm trying to think of like what they would pay for, but you definitely need two, and you can go you get two of them. One of them is going to be that guy that you identify as. He's got a few years left. And we've seen positives this year. And the other one should be an established, frontline, expensive starting pitcher. Because when your payroll is what it is right now, you really can hand somebody $18 million a year. And it shouldn't even be a bump in the road if you intend to compete.
1: Yeah, because, I mean, we've always gone out and signed two pitchers, but it's been of the level of, you know, this guy we're going to see if we can help him just extend his career a little bit and, and flip him at the deadline in a, you know, Tyler Anderson, a a Jose Quintana, especially like in a rich Hill. And then you get like a, a wild card. This year it was Vince Velasquez. Unfortunately he was injured and, you know, weren't able to, to do much with him. But yeah, one of them, Chris, and we even said this last off season is we'd like to see them take a step forward and, and put, down some money to bring a guy in for more than just that on the right year. guys. On the right guys. On
0: the right guys too. That's the thing. There's going to be a lot of guys out there that are pitchers that over the last year or so have started putting more guys on base and are starting to age out. It's got to be on the right guys. Professional scouting, pro scouting, looking at other teams is going to be so important this off season, not only for free agent signings but for trades. And they they. This is where you're gonna find out is the structure within the front office correct? Is it been built properly? Is the core of your team in the right place? Because if you go out and spend, it doesn't mean that it's gonna work unless you identify the right guys. They should be they should be buying a $20 million pitcher this year. They really should be. They should be buying a $20 million pitcher and a $10 million first baseman and then going out and finding a $15 million pitcher, and they should be adding that payroll. And then it's not th- that when you look at what their payroll numbers are, that is a drop in the bucket. I don't care how small market you are. This team should be able to afford that. Th- this team should at least be able to move that payroll up uh, that much with all these other guys under contract. And, and so, like, this is something that I'm expecting them to do, and if they don't do it, you get to start yelling about it. In, in previous years, have you ever heard me say, go spend money? No! I've always said it doesn't matter because you need to build a team. Well, now you have one, right? Now you have one. Not only should you be building the team in the offseason, but then when you go in the next year, you should be evaluating guys that maybe you planned on that aren't working out for you. Like if Cabrian Hayes continues to be what Cabrian Hayes is at this point, with the fact that the back end of his contract isn't worth as much yearly as the front end of his contract, if he goes out next year and you go for it and you find him to be the weak link all of a sudden, and you see something better in 2025 in the free agent class then that's that's the next move you make you see it's time to become like a big boy team again that's what i that's what i want from this team
1: If you ever see me out and about in pittsburgh you will always recognize me and not just because of the white beard but also because of the why that is always on top of my head the hat i always wear the Yins brand proud partners with bucks in the basement three dynasties one brand yinz finally one brand to rep all black and gold follow at shop yinz for new merch drops and giveaways order online At WW Shop Yins, the emphasis on the two Zs, high-quality comfort, lightweight materials, a new modern look for the black and gold, made for Yins by a Yinzer. The
0: Jack Sawinski thing is so interesting to me, because you look at what's going on with him, Craig. He's a platoon player, isn't he?
1: That's exactly what he is. That's
0: that's not a total loss, but that's what it feels like he is. He's an all-or-nothing platoon player. He's fine if he's batting in the 7, 8, or 9 spot on your team and you don't rely on him because you built the rest of the lineup. You're going to have guys on that. There's going to be a team that's going to win the World Series this year that's going to have a guy just like Jack Sawinski on their team. The difference is going to be that they're not depending on him. Okay? Okay. If, and they and that's because they go out and they spend and they made the right moves and they built a better team and yeah this guy came along and there's some Jack Sawinski fans in the in in the stands and you know you, you like him because he came up through your system but but deep down in the end he's not the linchpin and he can't be the linchpin there's still a place for him on the team that's, that's what you're learning right now. And that's another reason why you go out and spend is Jack Sawinski.
1: Yeah. And he's like a a very streaky player. And what we've seen is that, I mean, he's since, I believe it was like June 1st, he's, he's not hitting very well in August. He's, he's not hitting at all. I mean, he still has a a war that, you know, if you take the the B war and the F war, it's still right around like a two war player. So he is like a, a regular starter, but it seems that, because of brian reynolds and brian hayes not providing exactly what you needed this season or maybe what you expected from them i mean brian reynolds dealing with a back injury brian hayes dealing with a back injury and, you know, Brian Reynolds finally coming around here to the point where he has, has overtaken Jack Swinsky as far as war has taken Jack over Jack Swinsky as far as OPS and, and kind of seems to be back a little bit. Brian Hayes, he's on one of his, his hot streaks again. Uh, he's done away with the toe tap. He's gone back to the, the leg kick to me. I don't care if he toe taps, leg kicks, I mean, I was watching the game the other day, and, and I don't know if it was I don't know if it was Rock John Wayner or if it was Joe Block. I can't remember exactly who it was. It was just talking about like his bat getting through the zone faster. So to me, I don't care if he leg kicks or toe taps. Brian Hayes, the big thing for him is that he uses his entire upper body to turn on the ball, get his bad head out in front, and actually hit the ball instead of sitting back trying to do it all with his arms and does that inside outside swing which still makes good, hard contact, but you know, it doesn't, it doesn't produce for him. It just never has. So that's where like Jack Sawinski, I feel like he's getting so much of this is because it's almost like, because everybody else was down. Everybody looks at his home runs. He does have, you know, the 21 home runs this year and thinks
0: 20 of them from the right, 20 of them from, uh, Oh no, 20 of them versus right-handed pitching and one against left-handed pitching because of the way that he sets up. Isn't that crazy? Yeah.
1: And, and I think it's across the board, like in, in his career, I think he only has like six home runs total against like left-handed pitching and like over well, 30 here's really right-handed. Me.
0: Here's the thing that really gets me, okay, is that I understand you could lose power, right? I understand that, you know, maybe your average could suffer because you see the ball differently as a left-handed hitter versus a right-handed pitcher as opposed to a left-handed pitcher. I I get that. What's crazy to me is that he loses the ability to take the right pitches and identify balls and strikes. His on-base percentage drops 40 points versus left-handed pitching while his average stays basically the same. He loses his power and his ability to get on base. So that, that, that's, that it's affecting his ability to, to identify a ball and a strike and be effective inside of the box, be, just because of the side of the, the the arm that is coming at him. When he's got a left-handed pitcher, he is losing the ball. So now, if I'm a hitting coach, I have to start uh, uh, like asking the question: w- Maybe we need to change his stance a little bit. Maybe we need to change where he stands in the box a little bit. Maybe we need we got to fix something because he's not seeing the ball the same way in the right way. Because it's not that he, when he does make contact, when he does see the ball, he's, his average stays exactly the same. So there's something, that's also something you wonder, is it fixable? Because that is so stark to me that his average is basically the same average, righty and lefties. But when it's a left-handed pitcher, he can't identify the balls and strikes the same way.
1: Yeah, and they started at the beginning of the season. I know he had that more wide open stance and was working on that and it it seemed to kind of work itself out in April and May. And I don't know if if he has kind of like abandoned that or or lost that because I mean, he pretty much I mean, he just he looks back to, you know, reverting back to to his old approach at the plate. So I don't know if that's something that was completely abandoned. Uh, At some point in time. But yeah, I mean, he and and this is that's like something that's weird to me because I understand that like Major League Baseball and minor league baseball is different. But usually you can identify this stuff like earlier on in their career. And it's not something that he struggled with in the minors. It's it's something that's that's come you know, as he's, as he's been brought up to the major leagues. I mean, pretty much straight from double a was sent back to triple a a little bit last year, but not something that, that really seemed to be a problem, but obviously, you know, major league baseball, what if it's the
0: ballpark, what if it's the ballpark, I'm going to, I'm going to float a crazy theory to you. What if it's the ballpark? If I look at his home and away splits, I also see that he has a harder time identifying balls and strikes getting on base when he's at home than when he's away. Is it possible with a left-handed pitcher and the way that he has to pick up the ball on the other side of the pitcher's body when he's standing there that he's just not seeing the ball when he's in his home ballpark? Am I getting crazy with the stats here? Because it's really strange. You look at him when he is facing a left-handed pitcher and you look at him when he is on the road and home and you see these differences, but they're very stark when you look at his splits this year. I mean, it's almost like you need to have a coach go say, go stand there. Go look at where the ball comes out. Let me look over your shoulder and see what you're seeing. Why aren't you picking that up? There's something there, man. There's something there. I'm not giving up on him yet. And if at worst, he's a platoon player, cool. Then, like I said, he's your seven, eight, or 9 hitter. And he, he plays only, and, and trust me, there's more right-handed pitchers than left-handed pitchers, so he's valuable. And you're still going to keep him around. You just have to figure out what you're going to do in those other situations, and you don't build around him. He's not a build-around player. He's a piece. But I wonder. Like I'm, now, I'm, now, I'm just trying to figure out why he can't do it.
1: Yeah, because I mean, it's
0: because you say that. You say he gets up to the majors and he has a bigger problem. Well, okay. Well, then is it the is is he having a problem? Like this, I mean, I know I sound like a crackpot, and I haven't started drinking yet, right? <laughs> but like, like, think about this. If he's if he's If the only thing that changes between a left-handed pitcher facing him and a right-handed pitcher facing him is he's a left-handed batter, is his on-base percentage showing that he has a hard time identifying balls and strikes. And then, when you look at his home road splits, you see such a difference in that stat as well, home and away. Is there something in the batter's eye for poor Jack Sawinski? Like, it just doesn't line up right. Do we need to build something on the wall? Is there a fan out there and it's dressed like a chicken? Like, what is it? That's what I want to know.
1: I mean, it's got to be something, man. Because, like I said, you're throwing these things out here, and it's just like, that's so true. Like
0: I'm going down the rabbit hole on Jack Sawinski right now on this show. Yeah, because it's really weird. If you look at the numbers, Craig, I can see your eyes. Like, you're looking at your screen, too, and you're going, holy cow. (laughs) Where did this come from? Has anybody else noticed this? Should I write a letter to Ben Charrington? Dear Ben, my name's Craig. I do a podcast, Bucks in the Basement. My crazy co-host found these anomalies. Is it possible there's something going on there? Signed, Craig. P.S. Can I get some tips?
1: Yeah, you're like, Travis Williams built this new bar out there, and there's a there's a person that sits there every single game, or the bartender has a shirt right. that he can't pick it up out of. I have no idea. because yeah.
0: Don't let anybody wear white in this section because the ball gets lost there. There's something! Yeah, because
1: The kid's 25 years old and I don't think he's, he might not be an answer at this point in time, but I also don't think that it's gone as far as, you know, some people have said, you know, we need an all new center fielder because he's not any part of a piece. I feel like people get to the point in these rebuilds where they think that like, once somebody has a little bit of success, that they're just like, well, they have to be a complete piece. They have to be, you know, like that every single player that comes up has to be like at or near like all-star level level caliber. Well, how about this?
0: We could just, we could just spend money to fix the problem. We'll spend money. We'll have Cody Bellinger come in. He could play first base and center field. So if he, if Zawinski works it out or if he doesn't, we'll just bring in Cody Bellinger. Sign the checks, Bob. Yeah. Get the checkbook out. I mean, that's, we'll fix a couple of, we can fix these problems with money really easy with your tiny little payroll. And be competitive for years. Let's go. Sign the checks. Let's go. I'm ready for it. Yeah. I we sat through this long enough. Sign the checks. There's a there's a solution to everything. I am not opposed. I, I, I'm telling you right now, if Ben Charrington came out at the in the offseason and traded for somebody or made a signing and it was a brand new center fielder, and that was it. The Jack Sawinski experiment was over, and at best, he was a fourth outfielder on this team. I would not get upset one bit, because any progress to get better is fine with me. Because in the end, Craig, you know how I measure a team? Is this player at this position good enough to play this position for the Dodgers? Is this guy good enough to play this position for the Braves? Is this guy good enough to be a Yankee was what my dad used to always say when I was little. We'd be watching the team and he'd be like, he'd be like I don't know. Is, th- is that guy good enough to be a Yankee? And when you, when you compare that to the, the big team at the time, right? I don't know what you feel about the Yankees now. But I mean, when you compare that, you'd sit there and go, yeah, he could be a Yankee. Yeah, he could fit on that. Or you sit there and say, no, he can't. Jackson Winski can't be that. He wouldn't he wouldn't even make the Dodgers, right? So I mean, and there, but there's other guys right now that are in this plan that I don't know if they would make a championship team. At some point, you're gonna have to start being that cruel in your evaluation of players. So no, I have no problem with somebody saying maybe this guy isn't gonna work out. But again, it all comes down to how much money are they gonna spend. And how creative can Ben Charrington be in terms of acquiring players through trades? And how is he going to shape the team right now? There is a value to Jack Sawinski. He can still be a platoon player on your team. They may figure out what's going on with the, with the when he's facing left-handed batters, okay? But they're also, if the solution is moving on from him too, and they bring in a player that's better, how can I be upset about that?
1: Yeah, and I wouldn't be upset about, you know, if if it's a, you know, clear improvement over what you have right now and the other piece of that is i mean we talked about ben sherrington before like he's it seems like that he's like trying to build like he he has like a war board or something with like sticky notes on it and he's just like we know jackson wins he can give us two wins and brian reynolds should be able to give us four wins and brian hayes should be able to give us and, and where you have to like kind of build those other wins from But if you could, if you could take you know the Jack Sawinski sticky note out and put some money towards it, or trade for a player or whatever it may be, and you can replace that with, you know, double the amount of you know wins above replacement. Yeah, I have no problem with that. I just don't see. I don't know. I I don't want to be completely. I don't know. Heartless with this, but I guess you kind of must have. No, no. I want to be
0: heartless. I want to be. See, that's the difference with you and me, and I think we're going to see that here as this show continues to evolve with a team that's evolving. We started this thing what back in 2019? Yeah. And and we we've been we've been going through, we've seen a regime change. We've seen the build. We've heard the promises. I mean, as far back as when Charrington first got his job right here on this show. What did I say? I don't know if he's gonna be good or bad at his job. I have absolutely no idea if he's gonna be good or bad at his job. He's got he's gotta change the structure. He's got to decide how he's gonna compete. He's got to decide how he's gonna work with the budget that his owner gave him. He may already know that Bob Nutting's not going to write any checks. He may have walked in and said, Bob, we can go. We got we to go out and buy some pitching. we got to go get a first baseman. I'd like to address this center field problem because it would be a lot easier. And uh, In a couple of years, we might need to fix this as well. And Bob may have laughed in his face. maybe may have been like, ha, 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 as he was lighting cigars with $100 bills. You have absolutely no idea how the conversation went. If he knows that, then he's got to operate a different way. OK, Charrington and Nutting are two different people to me because one of them has all the money and the responsibility to spend the money. Charrington has the responsibility to understand who his boss is and operate within the system that he has. But throughout this entire process, I've said I want my general manager to be a heartless general manager. I don't want him to be friends with any of the players on his roster. I don't want him to even know a guy until he until somebody comes to him and says this guy belongs on the 40 man and then he's just a name on a board. I want him to look at these people and say, "Is this guy good enough to win me a title and if Not. He's out of town because I'm replacing him with somebody else. I'm heartless as a general manager. Okay, no attachments, no, none of this stuff. I don't want to. I don't want to meet your kids. I don't want to know your family. I don't want to know about your 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 aunt May or your uncle Bob. I don't want to know about any of it, Craig. I just want to win, baby.
1: That's all I want. Otherwise, you're gone. Okay, I gotta be more heartless. I gotta be. You're too nice. I am. You're a sweetheart. Heartless!
0: Now I see the changes in this town They change, they say One thing but then the next day